This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The $26 billion merger between T-Mobile and Sprint is now in court. Lawyers for both sides, the companies themselves, and state attorneys general skipped opening arguments and were asked by Judge Victor Marrero to trim their witness list so not to be endlessly repeating facts. The deal is seen by some as a necessity for these two companies to compete with Verizon and AT&T. Others say it is limiting competition. Reed Hunt is the former chairman of the FCC. He is also also author of the new book, A Crisis Wasted. Uh, Reed once opposed this deal, but is now consulting with Sprint on how to close it. And he joins us right now. Reed, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So give us a sense of, of what we should be expecting to see and hear out of this court case right now. Well, the court case is going to be a, uh, a gladiatorial contest between uh or among all-star economists, all of whom I have hired or, or, or gotten to know over the years. And, you know, they're taking a different sides on it. Uh, but probably the most important witness will be a Charlie Ergen, the CEO of DISH. Uh, and the most important topic uh, for his testimony, I predict, will be whether or not he is going to build a 5G, fifth-generation uh, wireless network and my view is that what's changed over the last few years is that a 5G network is, number one, a necessity as a matter of national security in the United States. And number two, a 5G network is a necessity as a matter of encouraging economic growth and productivity gains because that 5G network is the platform for the next new big thing, which is called distributed computing. So those are the two main issues to me. And just a reminder that DISH uh, bought the prepaid wireless business uh, to be able to get the this Sprint T-Mobile merger to get to this point. So where do you think we are on, on 5G at this point? And I, I note that because I saw... Uh, a commentary, uh, or I should say a note, uh, about T-Mobile saying that it expects that it could have 5G to 97% of the population within three years. A- and I felt like we were still probably, that might, that time frame might even be a little bit too tight to be able to produce it. H- how do you guys view it right now? So when we talk about 5G, we're talking about a total transformation of what wireless networks will actually do because uh, the many, many inventions that are all uh, gathered under the title 5G actually uh, permit about a 100 to 1,000 times increase in the number of bits per second uh, that can come to you or to me or to our house or to a machine uh, from anywhere in the landscape. Uh, this is pretty exciting because it means that everything in the observable world can be coded, turned into ones and zeros. That's what I mean by coded. And uh, then can be sent back to some computer that will measure the temperature or the carbon emissions or the uh, uh, travel route of an automobile or the heart monitor in your heart, if you have one of those, uh, and on and on and on, so that the entire observable world is translated into computing. And that's what the communications computing convergence 
is all about. In a sense, the computing communications convergence is is, an, is a 30 years old, 40 years old, and goes back to when I was at the uh, FCC in the 1990s. I guess that's 30 years now, or yeah. close to 30. Uh, um, but uh, what's really new here is the tremendous volume of information that will be gathered and the tremendous compute capability. So I don't think it's right to think of 5G network uh, in the old ways that we uh, looked at wireless companies, meaning, you know, do we need three, do we need four? I think it's really, really important to think about it from the perspective of what can the government do to compel, command, encourage, incentivize the very rapid and very deep uh, build-out of 5G networks? And that's what is going to be the subject of Mr. Ergen's testimony. So the, the potential of a combined T-Mobile Sprint company, assuming that the judge does give it the, the approval and it, and it moves forward, what does that do for the wireless industry in terms of the competition uh, on the marketplace in general? Well, I think the T-Mobile CEO uh, and, and, and the economists, they're going to say that if T-Mobile had the uh, Sprint spectrum, uh, it would be able to um, build out 5G faster and cheaper. And frankly, that's right. Uh, and the reason is that 5G uses much, 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 much more spectrum, much, much more bandwidth, many, many more radio frequencies than 4G or 3G or 2G. Uh, but the but the other big thing here is that the Department of Justice and the Federal Communications Commission have, as part of approving the deal, given a lot of business boosts to Mr. Ergen and Dish. Yep. And yep. so if he is believed by the judge, if he's credible, if he convinces the judge that he really will do this build-out, then you haven't gone from four competitors to three. You've gone from four with one sprint being maybe not as strong as the others to four really robust competitors. That's the issue in the case. We're joined by Reed Hunt, former uh, chairman of the FCC, talking about the uh, uh, the T-Mobile Sprint merger, which is in the midst of being in court right now. And obviously, I'd love to get your opinion on the, the the mindset of the state attorneys general at this point and their concerns and I guess to a degree part of the concerns uh, involve the 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 people in this country where wireless needs to be a more important part they may not have the financial wherewithal to be able to go with a full package from say a, a Verizon or an AT&T or this this combined uh, company moving forward. So how does the financial dynamic of the marketplace change for those people that that may be struggling to have that wireless service? So uh, with respect to um, people in rural areas where it's very expensive to build a network or people that are of low income, it's very, very important that the Federal Communications Commission, uh, with help from the rest of the government, insist that the companies cut a break. You know, guarantee a certain amount of communications, guarantee it at a certain price. There are lots of techniques for doing that. Uh, they, It's just an imperative. You know, a card-carrying Democrat like me probably would do a little more than most Republicans, but most FCCs, regardless of which political party is running them, you know, tend to take on that responsibility. Uh, the big thing here that is so interesting about 5G is that it is possible to build a 5G network 
if you can get a hold of the spectrum uh, in a on a campus um, in the middle of a town uh, in an industrial facility in a neighborhood, and you don't necessarily have to have a big company doing that. You can have a small local company or even a municipality mm-hmm. uh, do that and get tremendous get tremendous uh, communications capability in that area and then attach it to distributed computing. Let me say one thing about distributed computing because it's something that is really turns me on. When we talk about the cloud, we're talking about these football fields full of racks, and on the racks there's computers and there's hundreds and thousands. There are more transistors made in the world than there are grains of rice grown in the world. How about that for a fact? There you uh, go. <laughs> and, and, and those transistors, uh, not entirely, but in a huge fraction, are consolidated in only 450 of these data centers in, on the entire planet. Only 450. So the cloud is 450 physical locations. Yeah. Now, now these these cloud locations, they are thousands of miles away from you and me, right? Unless you happen to live in Walla Walla, Washington, where one of them is, you know, you're thousands of miles away, typically. And the communication from you to that cloud travels at one-third the speed of light. So if you're several thousand miles away, in fact... The distance between you and that cloud computer that grinds out answers for you and then sends them back to you, that distance is big enough that enough time elapses that your car is going to crash if it didn't get the information faster about something it was going to hit. Or your heart monitor is going to say you've got an emergency, and unfortunately, the elapsed time is going to really matter before something kicks in like a subcutaneous uh, injection of a drug. And I could go on and on and on. There's all kinds of necessities that have to be delivered instantaneously. That's what happens at what we call the edge or what we call the area of distributed computing. And the tiny little example of it right now is if you're holding your smartphone, that is a distributed computer. But I want you to imagine that the capability of that thing in your hand or on your desk or in your office or in your neighborhood is going to be improved by a thousand or ten thousand if you combine five G with a lot of computers in a in a lo- nearby proximate location. That's what's cool about the future in this one respect. You uh, you said that. Um... Uh, China plays a role as well in your thinking. Can you give oh, us? Yeah. Can you give us a, a mindset? Uh, give us an idea there. So I, I'm not like a uh, you know China freakout person. I've uh, I majored in Chinese history many a year ago. I wrote a book about China. It's a economic uh, uh, competition between their companies and our companies, and their governments uh, help out those companies in lots of ways. Some fair, some not fair by our standards. I don't see China as a military threat, but it is a very, very, very big platform for economic competition on the global level. So when we say China's leading in 5G, what we mean is it has companies that make the equipment and the communications networks and the software and the uh, services on top of the hardware and software that are really competitive. And if those companies win the markets in India and Africa and Europe and our companies don't, 
Well, then the Americans and other people working at our companies, they're going to make less money. Our standard of living will not be as high as it could be. Our ideals won't be baked into the software. Uh, and we won't be able to be as uh, secure uh, with respect to our national interest uh, and with respect to privacy issues. So this is an economic competition. It could be good for the world, but the duty of our government is to create an environment in which our companies can win in that competition domestically and globally, not to wall us off, but to create opportunities for our companies to win globally. That's that was the vision in the 1990s, and in the last several years of the 1990s, the United States accounted for 98% of all global growth, and that is why in the 1990s, every single income quintile in the United States saw its wages go up. The last 20 years, it's not been that way. We've had stagnation, and I'm saying 5G and distributed computing gives us a chance to get it right for the next 10 years. Well, and I think a lot of people believe that that – with all uh, of the growth of technology that we have had in the last few years, Reed, uh, and obviously the, the 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 growth into 5G, we know it's coming. We know it's going to be here probably sooner rather than later. It, it, and as you have laid out, it does become an important component from a variety of different fronts to make sure that that we have the technology, that we have the framework in place so that we can continued to use it for business success, business growth, but also we can use it for some sort of also protection of our country as well. And and don't forget privacy. We have we have a dream of freedom and a dream of independence that is part of the American dream and we don't want to give that up and we don't want to have it be that when our companies give meaning to that dream in technological form and in their culture of their businesses, they find that they can't win competitively, right? It, can't, it shouldn't be either or. It shouldn't be imitate China and be a totalitarian uh, society that has no respect for individual freedom or you can't win competitively. That's a horrible place to be. We, we don't want to be there. So right. we need our government to let our companies act according to the values of our culture and still win competitively. Reed, thanks very much for your time today. Greatly appreciate your insight. Look forward to catching up with you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Th- thank you. Reed Hunt, former chairman of the FCC. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.